Hey guys, Darren Bentley here. And before we get started, I wanted to make a special announcement. We have officially opened registration for the Private Money Conference, which is a three-day live event where you will learn directly from Jay and his team how to raise thousands of dollars in private money to fund all of your real estate deals. Now, in today's changing market, more and more people are losing out to other investors because most of those investors have the cash to fund these deals. Did you know that you are missing out on 87% of the real estate deals out there because you don't have access to private money? Sadly, most real estate investors don't even know this is the reason why they continue to lose deal after deal. And with everything that's happening in the market today, you absolutely need every advantage available to you. And having access to unlimited amounts of private money is your big advantage. So to register for this live event, head over to jconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event, where you will be able to lock in your seat for this live in-person three-day event, which takes place June 12th, 13th, and the 14th in beautiful North Carolina. But you got to be fast because there are a limited number of seats, and when they are gone, they're gone. So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jayconnor.com forward slash event. Again, that is jayconnor.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode. If you are a real estate investor or you want to be a real estate investor and you're looking for more money and funding for your real estate deals without relying on banks or hard money lenders, don't go anywhere because I'm getting ready to plug you into the money. Well, hello there and welcome to another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Connor. I'm Jay Connor, the host of the show, also known as the Private Money Authority. And if you're brand new to the show, a very special welcome to you. Here on the show, we talk all things real estate investing, how to find deals. We talk about all kinds of real estate deals, houses, single family houses, commercial projects, small uh, apartments, land deals, self-storage, you name it. And we also, of course, talk a lot about funding for your deals. We have got an amazing show lined up for you today. Before I bring on my special guest, I want to just let you know I've got a special gift for you for being here on the show. I just recently released my brand new book, which is titled Where to Get the Money Now. And the uh, subtitle is How and Where to Get Money for Your Real Estate Deals Without Relying on Traditional or hard money lenders. This book explains to you a step-by-step -step exactly how I raised over $2 million in less than 90 days when I lost my lines of credit. We're talking private money. This is so simple, folks. Private money is not hard money. This is getting money from individuals. All right. So this is a gift for you. Simply go on over to www.jayconner, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R, 
dot com forward slash book b o o k that's www.jayconner.com forward slash book b o o k the book is absolutely free i am going to ask you to cover delivery and we'll get it shipped right out to you as a gift to you for being here on the show well i launched the real estate investing with jay connor podcast right at three years ago and if you've been a follower you know that i always have amazing guests and today is no exception whatsoever my guest today has been involved in several thousand not hundred but several thousand real estate transactions and has owned income properties in 11 states and 17 cities now his companies help people achieve the american dream of what do we want financial freedom and how does he do that by purchasing income property in prudent markets nationwide. When we say prudent markets, what that means is, is there are some markets in the United States that you really should not be investing in, right? So my guest complete solution for real estate investors is a comprehensive system that's providing real estate investors with education, research, resources, technology to deal with all areas of their income property investment needs. Now, the United States, you may find this to be interesting, offers almost 400, that's right, 400 distinct and diverse markets, while most media pundits characterize the housing market as if it were just one single entity. You see, there's no such thing as a United States real estate market. I mean, real estate cannot be described that simply. It's not that accurate, right? So however, there is an Atlanta, there is a Georgia, there is a Dallas, Texas real estate market. There's a Charlotte, North Carolina market. There's a Las Vegas market. There's a, a San Diego, California market. And you get the picture. There's a St. Louis, right, market. So all these markets are different. And what my guest brings to the table here today is to talk about how it is that these markets are different and how it is that you can decide which market that you would want to be investing in. So to that end, my very special guest and his team scours the entire country with what he calls an area agnostic, an area agnostic approach and selection and helps select you the most suitable and sensible markets to recommend to his clients, the investors, so they don't waste countless hours doing it themselves and to help mitigate risk to where they will be investing in real estate markets that prove or look to be the most profitable and the best potential markets to be in in these days. So with that, folks, I'm so happy and so excited. What an adventure we've got lined up for today's show. As I welcome my very special guest here to the show, my good friend, fellow mastermind member, Mr. Jason Hartman. Hello, Jason. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jay. Thank you. It's great to be here and great to be talking to your people. Looking forward to uh, talking about some really good stuff today that can help people uh, invest better, more effectively, uh, save time, create wealth faster, and all the good stuff. Absolutely. Well, uh, Jason, the reason I particularly wanted you to come on here to the show is because just about three weeks ago uh, at our fellow mastermind meeting, I saw you put on a presentation that just blew me away. 
you know, you're known as an, as an expert or the expert when it comes to the real estate market and real estate investing combined with an economic lens, right? And an economic approach. And you're just brilliant, man. And what's so more uh, even exciting than that is, you take the brilliance and you dumb it down so I can understand it and you keep it simple, right? <laughs> well, listen, it's not dumbed down, but, uh, but you know, if you can't explain things in common everyday language, what good are they? One of our ex-presidents, Ronald Reagan, they called him the great communicator because he took really complex ideas and, and made them understandable to everybody. That's the goal of communication so that everybody gets it, right? Absolutely. Jason, before we dive into your uh, information that I've asked you to share today, how about give our uh, listeners a, a little teaser as to what you're going to be going over here in a few minutes? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I think that the, uh, the big thing we need to be thinking about nowadays, Jay, is uh, there, there's so much talk about how much prices have increased with, with real estate prices around the nation. Uh, and many people are worried that there's a bubble. It's probably the most common question we get, you know, are we in a bubble? If so, when's it going to pop? Uh, because we all remember just 12, 13 years ago, what happened during the Great Recession, right? And that was the worst economy in about seven decades since the Great Depression, or really eight decades I guess, depending on how you count. And, um, uh, uh, you know, everybody's fearful that that's going to happen again, and rightly so. But the circumstances today are very, very different than they were then. And so I think the way, well, there are many ways we can evaluate the, the value of real estate and the value of everything else, as a matter of fact. But one of the really important ways is by comparing things to the value of other things. And if we compare that value to many other things, we get a really good sense of whether it's expensive or it's cheap, right? And, and so that's what I want to do today is dive into that. And in your uh, fantastic intro, you talked a bit, Jay, about how there were uh, nearly 400 uh, metropolitan statistical areas in the U.S. or MSAs. We hear that expression a lot, MSAs, metropolitan statistical areas. And there are. In a country as large and diverse as the United States, there's no such thing as a national real estate market. And when we hear these talking heads in the media, we read about them in, in you know, various publications, you know, they, they talk about the housing market or the real estate market. And, you know, Jay, I can't figure out where that is. I don't know if the housing market's in New York or Washington, D.C. or Boston or Massachusetts or well, Massachusetts, Boston um, or uh, or Miami or L.A. or Portland or or, you know, Memphis or uh, Little Rock or Dallas, or Houston, or, uh, you know, whatever, or, uh, you know, Palm Beach, Florida, where I live, uh, that, you know, there's no such thing as a national real estate market in a country this big. There are just a lot of little local markets. But to simplify things, I think we can help it, uh, help people understand it this way, that you can categorize all real estate markets, not only all around the country, but all around the world into three basic types. And the three types are linear markets, cyclical markets, and hybrid markets. So we'll kind of talk about that. And then we'll talk about this comparison aspect as well. Uh, so Jay, do you want me to go ahead and uh, share my screen so I can show some visuals? 
Well, actually, before you do, and we're going to want to pick your brain, uh, but before you do, how about take a moment and just tell everybody how in the world it is you're qualified to talk about what you're talking about. Real quick, y'all, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask I can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money, feed their families, and have the private money they need to fund their deals. And the only way we can do that is if I ask you to rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. <laughs> well, that's a good question because there are a lot of fake qualified, uh, unqualified people out there nowadays. So, uh, you know, I got my real estate. Well, I first got inspired to get into real estate after growing up poor in Los Angeles, California. I didn't like being poor very much. I wanted to, you know, when I turned 16, I wanted to have a cool car and all this stuff like all the other kids did. And uh, I didn't have any of that. So I saw a, an, uh, an infomercial of a guru and I read three chapters of his book put it down. My mom read the rest. She got really interested. And um, anyway, fast forward. Uh, when I was in my first year of college, I was 19 years old. I got my real estate license just so I could learn the business, learn the basics. And I started helping uh, first-time buyers and investors buy government repo properties. These were really bad, really ugly properties. They had, you know, the windows were boarded up. They were disgusting, most of them. And uh, anyway, I sold some of those to clients. And about six months into my, my career, I was now 20 years old. There was this one client, his name was Jim Wool. He bought a few properties from me. And I, I was just a kid, but I was, I was working hard. I was selling properties, driving people around in my Volkswagen Jetta and doing the whole thing. And, uh, uh, you know, Jim Wool came to me and said, Jason, you know, one of these properties I bought from you, I don't like it too much. Uh, why don't you take the listing, sell it for me, and I'll buy, I'll buy something else from you. And I said, Jim, I don't want to sell it for you. I want to buy it from you. And that was my first investment property. I still lived at home with my mom, but I had a rental property at age 20. And uh, uh, it was actually, you know, it, it was okay at first. Uh, but then guess what happened? Like, uh, like many investors with horror stories, I had my, my first deal was a, a deal that could have discouraged I would have had every right, Jay, to just give up right there because the tenants stopped paying rent mm. and I had to evict them. My very first tenant, I had to evict. Uh, and so I was pretty discouraged. They beat up the property and all of that. And so I thought I was going to give up. So I sold the property and I actually made some money on the sale. So that was okay. And uh, then I bought another property and another one and another one and another one. And, you know, I've had hundreds of tenants, maybe probably over a thousand tenants now over the years, maybe a couple thousand even, I, I don't even know. Uh, and a whole bunch of properties in a lot of different locations. Uh, and then we help, um, well, I had a traditional real estate company. And in 2005, I sold it to Coldwell Banker. It was in Southern California. And um, I sold that. And about a year before, as I was negotiating the deal with Coldwell Banker, it took a long time to negotiate. I started thinking about what's my next gig? What am I going to do? And I had a non-compete agreement. You know, I knew I'd have that. And um, I, I just, my first love was always working with investors. 
So I started looking at investing nationwide, which I had never done before. And this was in 2004, as I was kind of negotiating the deal with Coldwell Banker to buy the company. And um, I started flying around the country. I started researching other markets. And Jay, it was so difficult to do this by myself. I just, I just had a really tough time. You know, realtors, most of them don't know anything about investing. Um, and it was very hard to get property managers that were good. I couldn't get people to return my call. I'd, I'd fly into a city. I'd only have a few days there. So I had to do things really quick. And I just thought, this is too difficult. But I want to be a nationwide investor because I remember, uh, you know, over the course of my traditional real estate career, as I was investing, you know, there were some times in the Orange County, California real estate market where, you know, it, there were some tough markets. I went through some cycles and I thought, you know, I don't want to do that again. I want to diversify geographically. I always thought income property is the most historically proven asset class in the entire world, but it's local. There's an old saying in real estate. I'm sure you've heard it. You've probably repeated it. All real estate is local. All no. real estate is local, right? You've heard that one. And um, uh, so I, I thought, well, I should just diversify geographically, be in the best asset class, income property, but diversify geographically. So if one area is up, the other area is down, I'll be okay. I can even things out. And that's what I was trying to do for myself. And what I realized is that after I was trying to do it to my, for myself, for my own account, I thought, you know, there's probably a lot of other people that feel the same way I do. And they would love it if if there was like a, a financial services firm for real estate investors. So like many entrepreneurs, many would be entrepreneurs, they experience a challenge or a problem themselves. And they think, why isn't there a better way? And so I basically created this business I'm in now to become my own customer. I was the first customer in my business. And, uh, you know, I, I established a network of providers and a whole team and an infrastructure that could help people build nationwide real estate portfolios and invest nationally, not just locally. So that's, that's, awesome. that's, that's awesome. kind of the start. And and fast forward, I've been doing this now, I guess, 17 years. And, um, uh, you know, we've helped thousands of people buy properties nationwide. We've got, you know, zillions of testimonials from clients that have just, you know, really made fortunes uh, following our plan. And it's just a pretty simple plan. It's, it's not a do-it-yourself plan. It's a kind of a done-with-you plan. We help people do it. And, um, and, and that's, that's leads us up to where we are now. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, in answer to the question, how are you qualified to do what you do? You've been doing it 17 years and you've been involved in several thousand transactions and you're helping thousands of others do the same thing that you are nationwide, making sure that they're in the right markets that they should be. So Jason, I want to turn it over to you for you to present the information that I asked you to bring here and do. And I know you're going to share your screen, but for those of you that are tuning in on iTunes or Google play, don't worry. You're not going to miss out on a thing. Jason's going to make sure you understand this information just with you listening on audio. So take it away, Jason. Yeah. Good stuff. So uh, yeah, I'll try and explain any visuals. So if you're listening to audio only, but of course you can catch this stuff on the YouTube channel and um, uh, for our, um, uh, our, our producer, uh, if he could just make the slide screen larger, that would be 
great uh, because I'm, I'm going to have some small, uh, small numbers here I need you to really see. So, you know, it's all about the measuring stick, right? And there are many ways to measure things. And right now, the media is measuring things in just one way. When they talk about real estate prices, they're only comparing them to one thing. First off, they're only talking about the price of the property, not the monthly payment on the property. And that's a huge mistake. So we'll get into that one. But they're also comparing the price of real estate only to dollars. Now, guess what, folks? Nobody told you that as you've been saving money to invest in whatever you want to invest in over the last 5, 10, or 20 years, nobody forced you to keep your money in dollars, although most of you did, okay? So mostly that's the way people measure things. But I'm here to talk about some alternative ways to measure things and alternative ways to compare the price of real estate and then in part two, the monthly payment on real estate, which is really more important than the price because very few people buy on a price. Most people buy on a payment. So we'll get into that too. Okay, so a tale of three markets. As I was talking about before, there are three types of real estate markets in the country or in the entire world. There are linear markets. These markets are stable and profitable. They are my favorite types of real estate markets. Jay, I'm not sure about you, but I kind of imagine knowing what I know about you and your content and your students, that you like these good solid linear markets too. I know you live in a linear market. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, and then there are cyclical markets. These are like a roller coaster. They go up, they have glorious highs, they have really ugly lows. And uh, if you're looking at a graph or a chart, that chart looks like a roller coaster, ups and downs. Now, the funny thing is, most of the markets in the country and in the world that get all the attention are the cyclical markets. They are, there aren't that many of them but they get all the news media attention. Why is that? Because they're newsworthy. They're not boring. Linear markets are boring. They just chug along and kind of go up slowly. Okay, they have little ups and downs, but they're not very pronounced. Whereas cyclical markets, oh, wow, there's news. Prices are going up like crazy. Prices are crashing. You know, that's newsworthy, right? There's an old saying in the news media, if it bleeds, it leads. The media loves sensationalism. So they tend to ignore all of these great linear markets. And then the third one is the hybrid market. As the name would imply, it's in between the two. So just understand that those are the three types of markets. Um, I always ask this question on my podcast, The Creating Wealth Show, and on my YouTube channel. And I always say, compared to what? And this is a really important question. In fact, I say it so much, my listeners have dubbed it the Jason Hartman question, even though I did not invent the question. <laughs> But they kind of call it the Jason Hartman question. So compared to what? That is the million dollar question we need to be asking ourselves. Compared to what? There's an old saying in economics. The cure for high prices is high prices. What does that mean? Well, one interpretation of this famous saying is that when prices are high, demand will fall off and prices will come down. Okay, that's the simple, most basic rule of economics is supply and demand. There's another saying, the corollary, the corollary to it is the cure for low prices 
is low prices. If the prices are too low, the market's going to discover that and they're going to start buying up all the widgets, all the houses, all the whatever. And the, the sellers of these items are going to raise the prices. And this is constantly going on as the market regulates itself through supply and demand. Now, as I talked about before, the most common thing I think on people's minds right now is, are we in a bubble? And if so, if we're in a bubble, when will the bubble pop? That is the question. Now, before we get into this comparison issue, I want to tell you about another thing. Um, for the last 18 years, I've taught a concept I call packaged commodities investing. When we look at a house, Jay, we really need to consider whether it's a house, an apartment complex, and I've owned both, many of both, um, or, or whatever type of real estate deal we're looking at. Um, we're buying two components. One component is the land, and the other component is the structure sitting on the land. And if it's a house or pretty much any structure, it's made of commodities, commodities that are traded worldwide that are not indexed to any particular currency. They have intrinsic value. So if all the world's currencies went away tomorrow and there was no such thing as a dollar, a yen, a euro, a peso, whatever, if those didn't exist, people could trade lumber, steel, petroleum products, glass, concrete, and all the other ingredients of a house without currency, without money, because these products have intrinsic value and they are the ingredients to a house. So when we think about a house, I want you to think of it as investing in commodities. Okay. We are really commodities investors more than we are real estate investors. And unlike commodities investors buying these commodities on the mercantile exchange, okay, we get to finance them for three decades with artificially cheap fixed rate debt that is tax deductible. We get all these tax advantages. When we package these commodities in the form of a house or an apartment building, they work differently. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay, one commodity is lumber. And lumber prices, as probably everybody knows by now, have been skyrocketing. They've just been going through the roof. In fact, the price of lumber is has uh, put upward pressure on new home prices to, to the tune of $24,000 already, just due to the cost of lumber. Okay, this is one super important commodity. But a lot of these other commodity prices have gone through the roof as well. Um, just remember, uh, one commodity that economists look at all the time is copper. And if you were to open up the walls of any property you own, you'd see a lot of copper wire in those walls, right? So all of these ingredients to a house are very important. So uh, here, you know, lumber, iron, steel, all these fabricated structural medical metal metal products, you know, you can see the prices have just gone through the roof. Okay. Now this is a funny meme. It's a picture of a couple having a romantic dinner. And, um, you know, I suppose she's saying to him, take me somewhere expensive. 
they're at the lumber yard. <laughs> I just I thought that it. was kind of funny, right? I love it. And 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 that meme really does sum it up. You know, we're in this crazy market where these commodities have become super, super expensive. Now, when we look at home prices, this chart goes back over a hundred years looking at home prices. We can see something really interesting here. We can see that from 1900 until uh, the big boom in the economy with the baby boomers coming back from World War II and building houses and uh, just experiencing a wonderful booming economy. Uh, when America had its love affair with the automobile, Detroit was booming. I mean, things were pretty darn great in the 50s, okay? And then uh, we saw, so we saw prices go up quite a bit. And then there was another big change that occurred. And that was in 1971, when Richard Nixon closed the gold window. He took the last step of severing the tie between gold, which has been considered real money for 5,000 years, and he completely disconnected gold from the dollar in 1971. And then we saw housing prices and inflation in general, broad inflation, not just housing prices, absolutely go through the roof. And, uh, you know, for those of you listening to audio only, the chart we're looking at is a huge, huge upsurge in housing prices. And then, of course, during the Great Recession, we saw them come down a bit. And then we've seen them go up, up, up ever since. And, you know, I won't be able to go into all of these concepts today, but I just want to offer a free book that I have. It's just a mini book. It's totally free, no credit card or anything like that needed. Uh, it's at pandemicinvesting.com. And it's really relates to a lot of these topics of how to invest during a pandemic. The specifics of the mass migration that is going on where people are relocating, wealth is being transferred, and a lot of these topics that we'll talk about today, uh, but in much more detail. So that free book is at pandemicinvesting.com. One of the topics I talk about is called inflation-induced debt destruction. And this concept is a way that people really, really get rich with real estate and they don't even know it, Jay. They're not even always aware of this because it happens so subtly behind the scenes. And basically it works like this. People uh, use 30-year fixed rate mortgages and then as inflation comes along, it devalues that debt. So as real estate investors, we get to pay that debt back in cheaper dollars absolutely beautiful thing. It's the hidden wealth creator in real estate that most people don't even realize is happening. So there's a lot more about that in the book. Okay. This uh, chart shows home prices versus the consumer price index. The consumer price index is important because it's the most widely used measure of inflation. Now, I think it's a lie. It's very understated. It, it doesn't reflect real inflation that is much higher, but it is the official measure of inflation. So let's just go with it. it let's just all know that it is understated. And uh, there's a lot of stuff they're not telling you in the consumer price index because it's manipulated. But here, if we look at this, we see that the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, the most widely used index for home prices, 
uh, largely keeps in step mostly with the consumer price index, except it gets out of sync at times. But the problem is that this index only reports on 20 major metro areas. And 75% of the, those metro areas in the index are, guess what? Remember those three types of markets we talked about? Well, 75% of the 20 markets, in other words, 15 of them, are in cyclical markets, mm. not linear markets. So it's very, very misleading. You really have to peel back the onion on this stuff and really, really slice and dice. And that's why you need experts. You need a team. Uh, you know, I have way more detail on my podcast, on my YouTube channel. Jay has the same on his podcast, on his YouTube. And this is what experts are for. People that live, eat, and breathe this stuff, we're here to help you with it, to understand it. But just giving you some, some uh, outlines and ideas today. So we all have this rich uncle, <laughs> and, and his name is Jerome Powell. He's the chairman of the Federal Reserve Board. This is the guy that controls the money supply, okay? And just think about this. Money, or really more accurately, currency, the dollar is not really money, it's currency. The yen, the euro, the peso, uh, all these other currencies around the world, they're not really money. They're just a symbol of what they're supposed to be money, right? And so all of these things are basically controlled by governments and central banks. And just think about this. If you ask yourself this question, what makes anything in the world valuable, right? Anything. It could be an economic unit. It could be a personal relationship. What makes it valuable? Two basic things drive value for anything. Scarcity, and utility. Okay. So uh, the scarcity and utility of lumber are driving up the prices of lumber, right? The scarcity and utility of your significant other make them the most valuable person in the world to you, right? Uh, the scarcity and utility of dollars dictate their value. Okay. Well, guess what? Last year, the experts will tell you that since the beginning of the dollar, right, last year, between 20 and 35% of all dollars ever created were created last year. What does that do to the value of the dollar if there are so many additional dollars being created out of thin air? Well, naturally, it debases or devalues the value of the dollar. And that simply means inflation. Because what happens is you have a large supply of dollars going into the economy, chasing a limited supply of goods and services. Well, guess what? The sellers of the goods and services see this tidal wave of dollars coming at them. And what do they naturally do? They raise the price. They say, hey, I can't keep up with the demand, so I got to raise my prices. I got to raise my prices so I can pay my suppliers, so I can hire more people to keep up with the demand and fulfill the orders, so I can, uh, you know, buy a new factory to manufacture more whatever we manufacture, right? That's what happens. That's how inflation happens. Okay, so let's compare home prices not to dollars. Let's compare them to gold. Now, why gold? 
Well, gold is the most common measuring stick. It's the one that's got the longest history of having intrinsic value for literally five millennia, 5,000 years of history. Now, I'm not a gold bug. I want to tell you that. But it is a measuring stick, and it's a very, very popular measuring stick. So in the year 2000, 21 years ago, it took 610 ounces of gold to buy the median price house. 610 ounces, you could buy the median price house. Okay. In 2010, after the Great Recession, as we were kind of, you know, maybe it had bottomed out by then. In 2010, it only took 162 ounces of gold to buy the median price house. So the question is, did gold go up in price or did the house go down in price? Well, I don't know. Gold in dollars 10 years earlier was $274 an ounce. By 2010, 10 years later, it was $1,373 an ounce. In dollars, the median price home in 2000 was $167,000. And in 2010, it was $223,000. I'm rounding off. Okay, so the question of what went up or down is, it's not exactly clear. But if we simply use one measuring stick, we are always going to wonder what is happening. That's why we need to use multiple measuring sticks to really understand the value of anything. Okay, what, what's going on today? Well, today, if you want to buy the median price house, it'll cost you 208 ounces of gold. So compared to 21 years ago, the house today only cost one third of what it used to. It's cheaper by two thirds. So I want to ask you this. Are houses cheap or expensive today? Compared well, to what? Compared to what? Thank you. Good answer. <laughs> hey, let's, 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 uh, let's use the right sound effect here. <laughs> yeah okay good <laughs> I, love it. I love it hey so, jason, to, hey, jason yeah, i want to make sure you i want to make sure that you hit the ball a home run hit here to make sure everybody gets the main point yeah. so we've only got about three to four minutes left oh, so, so okay. main points main yeah. points yeah so so look if you compare it to gold housing is cheaper okay if you compare it to bitcoin housing is super cheap because you know bitcoin in 2010 it doesn't go back much further than that 773,000 Bitcoin to buy a house. Today, only seven and a half Bitcoin. Okay, so there's that. How about oil? Oil, it's about the same price. Hasn't changed much in 21 years. Same number of barrels of oil today as back then approximately will buy you a house. How about, um, how about rice? The most common food in the world. Two thirds of the world survives on rice. Well, uh, in, in rice, houses are a little cheaper today, just a tad cheaper than before. How about in the standard and poors, the S&P 500 index? Houses are a lot cheaper compared to the S&P today, okay? It would have taken you 884, oh, 1,884 shares of the S&P in 2000 to buy a house. Today, it only takes you 898. Houses are cheaper. So the question here, the point of all of this is, is it cheap or is it expensive? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. How about comparing it to median income? Well, in median income, houses are a little bit more expensive than they were 21 years ago. 
but not nearly as expensive as people would think they are compared to income. Okay, how about in hours worked at minimum wage? In hours worked at minimum wage, most minimum wage people can't afford a house, sadly, but if you did use that as a, a metric, houses are pretty expensive compared to minimum wage, okay? Uh, but it's not about the price, it's about the payment. So let me just give you maybe one comparison on payment and we'll wrap it up. Okay, so here is the payment in, uh, well, let's not do Bitcoin. How about this? How about, you want the payment now? Orange juice, mortgage payment, hours of minimum wage. Uh, let's do minimum wage, okay? So here's the median house prices mortgage payment. Okay, here's the mortgage payment, not the price of the house, okay? In hours worked at, uh, at minimum wage, all right? So in minimum wage hours worked to afford the monthly payment, 21 years ago, we would have had to work 192 hours to afford the monthly payment. But today at minimum wage, only 165 hours. The house has gotten cheaper. This is a very real world metric here. This is entirely realistic because this compares what, you know, how many hours do you have to work to afford the payment? And here's at the median income, okay? You only have to work about half of the hours today at the median income to make your house payment. Houses are cheaper. So everybody keeps asking, when's the bubble going to pop? Why is it so expensive? Are you sure it's expensive? That's my question for you. What are you using as your measuring stick? What are you comparing it to? So Jay, I'm just going to speed ahead a couple of slides. I want you to see this. In 2020, here's your mortgage payment last year. It's about $13.18 per month. And in 2006, before the last bubble burst, it was $15.32 a month. And guess what? If you adjust that for inflation, in 14 years, the housing payment in real dollars got $657 cheaper, not more expensive. Well, everybody is worried that housing prices are too high. I would argue that they're still pretty cheap. Now, it's Listen, the bubble will get frothy, over frothy at some point, and it will burst. It, it will not last forever. Nothing goes up indefinitely. But for right now, it's, housing is still looking pretty affordable to me. Uh, lots more on my YouTube channel where I talk about the refi to you die concept. Of course, the free book at pandemicinvesting.com. And Jay, any questions, be happy to answer. Jason, what an amazing presentation. And you know, I was just having a conversation with my realtor that I do business with. Uh, I've had the same realtor relationship now since 2004. And he made an interesting comment to me last week. He says, Jay, I tell you, like here in Eastern North Carolina in our little teeny tiny town, our prices in dollars has gone up about 30%. And I mean, we're in a linear market, really but we've gone up 30% in the, in the past year. He says, we can't keep doing this for long. And so now I get to introduce my realtor to Jason Hartman. <laughs> and, and there you know, you go. There's also an argument to be made because of this momentum and pricing and dollars that we have going on. There's an argument to be made instead of flipping, people might want to be holding on for another okay. year or two but instead of flipping it out and throwing away a 30% return in a year, right? 
Well, you know, Jay, look, it, uh, I have done flips uh, and I'm mostly a buy and hold guy. I, I, you know, the way I put it is this, look, you can make a lot of money flipping homes, no doubt. Okay. You can make money doing wholesaling. You can do a lot of things. There's lots of ways to make money in real estate. Okay. It's a, it's a wonderful business, wonderful industry we're in. But I tell you, the people who flip have a lot of spending money. The people who buy and hold create real wealth. So I would advise anybody at least have a dual strategy. If you're flipping because you like those big pops, you're going to pay some pretty big capital gains tax along the way. Have a buy and hold portfolio as well so that you can get a lot of tax benefits and, of course, build wealth through my refi to you die plan, inflation-induced debt destruction, all the other stuff that I teach on the podcast and YouTube. That is amazing. You, not that, you are amazing, Jason. And one more time, how can people connect with you? Um, probably the best place since I mentioned it already is pandemicinvesting.com just for, cause you get the free book there. My main website is jasonhartman.com. Uh, and then the creating wealth podcast is in all the usual places and, and my YouTube channel. And, uh, we just, we just want to help people avoid the crooks on wall street. <laughs> That's our big goal. And, uh, and, and just help them, you know, invest in the most historically proven asset class, in the entire world, it's the most tax-favored asset class in America, and that is income property. So uh, thanks for having me, and, and happy investing to you and all of your followers, Jay. Thank you so much, Jason, for uh, joining me, and I look forward to seeing you in person at one of our upcoming Mastermind meetings as well. Thank you so much, Jason. A dear friend, I appreciate you. you so much. And to everyone here, thank you for joining us here for another episode of Real Estate Investing with Jay Conner. I'm Jay Conner, the Private Money Authority, wishing you all the best. And here's to taking your investing to the next level. We'll see you on the next show.